0: I remember somebody calling in and asking if I knew Bill Gates. Personally, I thought that was.
1: (laughs) You know, all all, all us computer nerds know each other. You could restore. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me what you may call a Magugalan. that <laughs> That sounded so much better in my head. Prasanna Maliandi, how's it going, Prasanna? I'm good, Curtis. I actually look forward to hearing what you
2: call me every week.
1: Uh, you know, it's. I'm assuming it's just the highlight of your week. Uh, to hear, you know, what random nickname I give you and, you know, what I've been up to that has nothing to do with backups. Um,
2: Yep. That is basically what I live for. Although I think this week, instead of talking about woodworking, are there any new shows you've been watching?
1: Yeah. I finished The Expanse. The Expanse is really good. Yesterday I watched, uh, a couple days ago, I watched Judas and the Black Messiah which is a really well done movie about another part of history that i didn't know anything about i mean i i, I knew that the black panthers existed i knew that they were not to, to put it mildly they were not popular with the fbi um i did not know that it's well known that the fbi actually assassinated the leader of the black panthers that was a, oh, crazy I, I, yeah i looked into it later it it, it happened Um, and so it, so it's, it's a really good movie about a really sad topic that, you know, I'm like, Oh, great. Something else I didn't know about the past. That's depressing. (laughs) By the way, this is, you know, persona and I do both work for Druva. This is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are ours. A couple of other things we would love to have you on. If you wanna talk about backups, if you wanna talk about your backups, honestly, if you wanna talk about your neighbor's backups, if you happen to know like somebody that's doing backups in a horrible or really great way and you wanna talk about them, but not username, I don't care. Uh, w- even if you want to come and and we can use a fake name for you, we just want to have real people that are that are interested in backups and, and come on and, and talk to us about different ways to do backups, et cetera. And also we love horror stories. Just send an email to Preston at gmail.com or at wcpreston on Twitter. And uh, also be sure to rate our podcast at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. Uh, we have a new... Uh, guest this week and this is going to be it's going to be an interesting one because we're going to be able to talk about the 3 one rule being able to create that air gap a real air gap but without using tape not a virtual air gap right because i like i like to call what druva and other you know online vendors do i call that a virtual air gap but um this company uh, can actually create a physical air gap w- without using tape. So that's going to be the interesting part of the discussion. Our, our guest is actually the CEO of the company. He's been in in and around IT for, I'm just going to say, a ridiculously long time. It looks like he went into IT right after I graduated from high school. <laughs> So that was a long time ago. Oh, Curtis! Um, in two thousand three, he founded Highly Reliable Systems. Welcome to the podcast, Darren McBride.
0: Well, thanks for having me on the show. I'm I'm really pleased to be here.
1: You have an interesting story, and we're we're going to get to that story. I I just I, I want to sort of lead into it. We have to take the listeners back in time, Darren. Back. It, it, it's funny that you not funny, but it's I think it's actually quite apropos that you started the uh this company in 2003 remind me persona what were you doing in 2000 um i might
2: have been graduating from a school i'm not going to say which school
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're such a baby um <laughs> and, and so were, were you in the it industry yet uh, yeah, so
2: I actually funnily, uh, funny thing. So when I was in high school, I actually interned at a couple startups for the summer and actually through the school year. So one so of you, the startups You
1: made your first million by 25? Well, I was the lowly intern. Oh, okay. Unpaid intern, okay. by the way. Okay. Oh, oh, <laughs> unpaid <it> <laughs> intern. Not even uh not even stock nope. options. Nope. Interesting. Unpaid intern, but it was a great opportunity.
2: I actually worked closely with the uh, IT folks, and initially, before I did what I did, what I do now, I actually was thinking about going into the IT
1: space. Gotcha. So, Darren, the the thing about Persona is that so he he's he's like me in that he's he's spent his career you know predominantly in storage and backup, but he has lived his entire like IT existence without ever. Using a tape drive in production? Can you believe that? I've never used tape. I've used a, a jazz drive. And yeah, drive. the jazz drive is. The, you remember so the, that, the, that that
0: eats you in and of itself, though. That's, that's why you must've been old when you used it.
1: <laughs> I, I I missed a qu- what was it? What did you say, Darren? The jazz
0: drive, I think, dates Prasanna, you know, yeah. by itself, because that's, uh, it must have been old when he first used
1: it. Yeah, not exactly the newest piece of technology. So, Darren, we have to take a, a lot of our listeners are, you know, they're not long time IT practitioners. And so they don't really know why your company came to be, what it was like with tape back in the, you know, the end of the, the last century, basically, as I was writing my first book, actually, because I finished my first book in 1999, the thing that I remember, because I started my career, obviously, everybody did back in you know at that time frame, all all backups were done to tape, right? We had we had DDS, we had uh, uh, Exabyte 8200s, we had uh, we were starting to have DLT. Uh, I don't remember if I don't think LTO. Do you think LTO was was on the scene in 2000?
0: Yeah, it, it it was. I don't remember if it was LTO 1.
1: Some of these generations of these tape drives were just flat out unreliable. They just mechanically were garbage, right? We we can just we can acknowledge that. But as they got better in subsequent generations, the drives actually got quite reliable, but at the same time, what happened was the drives got faster and faster and faster. And so you had this tape drive that wanted to go 50 to 100 megabytes per second. And meanwhile, I have a I have this piddly little incremental backup that's running at like one or two megabytes per second. And, and so you had this fundamental mismatch of technology. And so you had drive is wanting to go one speed, the backup can only go one speed. And the, the, the mismatch between that created this, this push and pull that created this problem that we call shoe shining, where the tape, tape, the tape drive is constantly speeding up, writing a tiny bit of data, then backing up and then speeding up again. And just the tape is going back and forth, back and forth, kind of like the way you shine a pair of shoes. And as a result, that created more unreliability amongst the tape drives. But at the same time, we didn't yet have the cloud and and widespread deduplication. We did have deduplication. I do remember... Talking to a little company called Undo with two O's back in um, that that same time frame, ninety nine two thousand. Uh, that company changed their name to Avamar uh, and subsequently got uh, acquired by EMC. So we had DDo but it wasn't it did, hadn't really taken off yet, and we certainly didn't have the cloud the way we have today. And still, we we had this this need to to get backup and more specifically to get offsite backup because of my favorite rule the 321 rule you know three versions of your of your backups on two different media one of which is somewhere else and Darren you guys um suggested a, a very different approach to that problem so why don't you tell us what you did back in 2003 Well,
0: as you've stated, the tape backup world, you know, you were trying to put data from a random access device, which was your hard drive, typically in a server, and you were trying to put it on a streaming media. And, you know, I became so frustrated with the number of small business clients that had problems with their backup Mm -hmm. and even had the embarrassment a few times of having sold a backup system to a client only when it was really needed to, to be unable to restore or to spend entire weekends trying to restore backups. You know, when we we were supposed to have multiple copies, multiple media, either the media hadn't been swapped out or some failure had occurred along the way. And, and you know, you have to remember our client base was typically 100 user networks and below. So, In some cases, they didn't have an IT person that was watching regularly. And at that time, the concept of a managed service provider really wasn't a thing where were managing and, and watching anything remotely because the internet still hadn't really taken off. So, you know, the, we came up with the, with the concept. We were so frustrated with tape that we felt that a removable hard drive, even though a removable hard drive had its own set of problems, right, because you're moving something that was intended to be mounted permanently in a server environment, but we found that those hard drives were heads and shoulders above tapes in terms of being used as a removable media. And so we put them in a... Uh, removable enclosure we gave the customer permission to to swap the drives on a regular basis and that became um, our claim to fame it was one of the early uh, backup methods that simply removed the tape from the equation and replaced it with removable hard drives
1: and what was your uh, what was your website or your famous website that you had back then
0: <laughs> we 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 were using as our marketing way, website tapesucks.com and it became somewhat a, of an industry joke it was a little bit in your face compared yeah. to the competitors who were you know a little more staid ibm types and we were young plucky company that that wasn't afraid to say it and so the company was highly reliable systems but we became known as the tapesucks.com guys
1: right uh, yeah uh, the, uh, of course that 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 phrase you know, it got picked up as data domains, main market slogan, right there. There's was tape sucks. Move on. Right. Sadly, I, right. I I just noticed that, uh, tapesucks.com is not even, it goes nowhere at this point.
0: Yeah. We, we sort of abandoned that as you know, the joke became so old that we decided it was a liability rather than mm, an asset. At mm, some
1: point. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause the thing is, I made a lot of money going around to companies you know, mostly medium to large companies, sometimes very large companies, and helping them figure out how to use tape properly, right? And figure out how to redesign their backup system. Because I've often said that the, the way to properly design a backup system to use tape is so counterintuitive. Intelligent people have a really hard time wrapping their brain around it until, I mean, you have to go in and explain like the physics and the, the literally the physical structure of a tape drive for them to, to finally get it. And then they, you know, the idea, for example, of turning off, you know, Increasing your backup throughput by turning off most of your tape drives is not something any normal person is going to be able to understand, right? And the, the problem is your target market, um, they didn't even have a, you, you made the comment, they didn't even have a dedicated IT person, let alone somebody who is dedicated to backup. And they certainly couldn't afford my fee back in the day, right? Not that I was the only one doing this, but they certainly couldn't afford me. Um, and so they were just banging their heads against the wall trying to get their backups done. Meanwhile, that, you know, they're reading that they need to send backups off site and they're just, they're not, they're not able to reliably make the first backup in the, in the first place. So I I remember, I remember Darren, um, I, I I don't remember if it was the first time, but I remember at some point sort of seeing your, your product or something. Well, I'll just be blunt. I remember not liking the idea (laughs)
0: I remember you being skeptical on a blog. Yeah, I, yeah,
1: I remember yeah. That. Uh, and because because of the the issue that you you mentioned, right? That 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 disc is not really made to do this. So let let's uh, let's sort of address that. I was, going to, I, was, I was actually going to ask
2: about that. Yeah, because okay, I know yeah. typically disc drives, right? You don't necessarily want to pull them out. You don't want to kind of move them around more than you have to, right? They're a little sensitive.
1: Yeah. So, so how, how do how you? Do you guys, yeah, yeah. How do you handle that, Darren? And uh, well, well how did you handle know, it back then? And now, how do you how do you handle it now? Because the, the technology's changed. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, the technology's changed. It's it's funny. You know, there is that perception among server people in particular that you don't want to jostle hard drives around too much. I remember telling people with their laptops when they had spinners in their laptops is, you know, it's a laptop, but you know, let's not jiggle our leg and and you know, <laughs> vibration in the laptop because. Um, the, the hard drive wasn't wasn't really designed to do that. We, um, you know, back to your original, you know, comments, Curtis, is that, you know, tape had its own physics. It was shoe shining going on. <laughs> we made the mistake of of telling people to turn on a, a pass after the write where they would read and do a CRC check. And, oh, my goodness, that even doubled and tripled the amount of time that tape took and, and ended up we didn't realize it but generating its own failures because of the uh, extra, extra wear and tear that we put on tape drives by you know doing that verify pass so my contention from the beginning was that although hard drives you know were subject to crash they just didn't even compare to the reliability problems that that you had with tape, and we did a lot of things. We had video on our website back then where we literally tossed a tossed a hard drive in our aluminum enclosures off of off of our building and ran over it with cars to demonstrate that hard drives are not as fragile as people were led to believe. I mean, it wasn't what you wanted to do with a hard drive. You wanted to be gentle, and we had soft carrying cases and with foam and and all that kind of stuff, but The aluminum cases that we put the hard drives on, they were intended a couple things. The connectors were designed for thousands of plugs and unplugs, which the hard drives themselves, those connectors were not. Also, they were designed to dissipate static and uh, with a metal metal enclosure to sort of protect the physical drive a little bit. So we did what we could to turn a hard drive into a removable media. And, you know, although I wouldn't say that it, uh, you know, that it made it bulletproof, Uh, To this day, I mean, if you look at things like SSD, which you would think would be a more reliable portable media than a spinning disc, the challenge there is, is that if you leave an SSD in a, in a hot car, there's been studies that show that the, the potential for data loss actually rises pretty dramatically if you get up, you know, up above 110, 120 degrees. And of course we were dealing with a set of customers who would, in fact, forget their hard drive in their car, uh, put it in the trunk and forget about it, and, and sort of unprofessional people who were just small business people, insurances, dentists, people who didn't have professional IT. So in the end, although it had its limitations, we feel like e- even to this day, removable hard drives have their place.
2: When you looked at this, because I'm guessing also at that time, network connections weren't as fast, especially for some of these people. They couldn't necessarily get their data offsite either, right? Other than if they had a tape drive, and so kind of having this removable hard disk was an easier alternative because they didn't need to worry about tapes. They didn't need to worry about the infrastructure. It was there in terms of just having a disk available for them.
0: Yeah, and and in fact, Prasanna, you might be surprised to learn that not only did the bandwidth not exist, the internet connection not exist, or if they did exist, they were you know ISDN or slower. Um We literally we started the company with direct attached storage, meaning that we were plugged in using things like USB, um, using um, connections because we found that the performance was actually higher than the than the Ethernet performance. Now we've gone to all network attached storage devices, but there was a period of time where bandwidth was such an issue. There was no deduping, there was a lot of um, you know a huge volume, and so just the transferring the data over a local area network was even an issue.
2: So, yeah, go so ahead. I was just uh, going to say, I, yeah. yeah, I remember in those days now me and my friends, so we were kind of geeky back then still are, but <laughs> I remember especially, right. It would be difficult to find a gigabit, uh, hundred megabit switches that were affordable or even hubs. Right. And being able to transfer data, I remember actually having a removable hard disk drive enclosure for my desktop system back then in my tower that I would then have yank it out, give it to another friend so he could just put it in his computer, copy out whatever he wants, give it to the next friend, etc. because that was literally the fastest way to get data moved.
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. And we were using what was called the eSATA interface early on, which was um, just a, a variation of, of the internal SAT mm-hmm. interface. So we were able, you know, speed was really one of our claim to fame um, early on, was be, being able to pull that data off at a higher throughput than, um, than even tape in some cases. Although tape always had SCSI interfaces and, you know, they, they emphasized fast interfaces.
1: Darren, you and I had, a, you know, an online discussion, as I said, A long time ago, and at the time, you know, I did not agree with the approach. We change, we evolve over time. I think it's because I was underestimating the complexity of properly using tape in smaller environments. I definitely have solved that issue, (laughs) right? Um, Because I haven't recommended tape, you know, as as a part of a backup system. And probably almost as long as, you know, you and I have, back when we, you and I had that online discussion, I, I think, so you've, you've, you've had this now, you've had the company since 2003. So, you know, we're, look, we're talking close to 20 years. You've got, um, I'm assuming, thousands of customers?
0: Oh, yeah, thousands of customers all over the world. Still still using removable backup, even though, of course, online have, has really taken a lot of that market share. But there's, you know, our our solution is a specialty one. And it's right. uh, so there's places where well, it plays.
1: Well, uh, you know, I don't know, Darren. W- what I'm hearing from some of my tape buddies is that tape has gotten some resurgence because of ransomware. And, and the reason for that is the air gap. Because the thing with... With removable, me- removable media, be it tape or remo- removable hard drives such as yours, is that true air gap that you can create a backup, set it on a shelf, and no matter how good the ransomware is, it's not going to be able to impact that backup? Have you seen any anything like that, any sort of increase in interest in your products because of that?
0: Yeah. Um, yes, we have. I mean, we... There are certain super high security environments, whether they be government, police departments, um, that have taken that into into consideration. And and I think part of it is people who just want to make sure there's no way. You do have to physically make sure that the media now can't be stolen, right? right. So you've, you've got well, that issue.
1: I, I, I would argue that that is the case in any valid computing environment because – you you know physical access and and all bets are off right yep absolutely but I, I cut you off you said you said you do need to address that issue but
0: well you do need to address the physical security and and the fact that you know your your data is all on a media that can be done with encryption and and making sure your environment's secure but yeah the, to answer your question there have been people who when they think this through sort of go back to the resurgent idea of of if it's not online it can't be hacked and when you're dealing with teams of programmers in china or russia that are that are trying to defeat you um sometimes you reach the conclusion that putting it on the shelf is is kind of the simple solution
2: so so in your solution sorry curtis no, jump sorry. in, in the solution These are removable discs. So, does that mean then that people would have just multiple discs sitting on their shelves that they would then pull out, put into the? Like, how does this work?
0: Well, um, first of all, you know they're network attached devices, and you can use them as what's called iSCSI devices, so that it appears as local storage. But most people use them as a drive letter that they're going to create a backup job and send the job to and. We have experimented through the years. We've sold backup software. And in the end, being a smaller company, we focused on the hardware. And we don't recommend any particular software solution with it. So, I mean, people have used anything from, you know, back in the old days, the backup exec, if you remember those days, Curtis, or the um, the various tape backup solutions that could be used to the hard drive. And um, that is still the case to this day. That people can choose, you know, their rotation scheme. We recommend three, two, one. You know, having three copies um, on multiple media and having one at least offsite. But um, we have we have I think a. And Curtis just live... cried,
1: teared up. <laughs> my, my little heart jumped for joy.
0: So um, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm not sure, Prasanna, if you were you know if you were asking more about the software piece of no, it no, or how. No, just just like. Yeah. So
1: yeah. I, I think it, I think it's so. What what you're saying is that what what most people do is they, they 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 plug these drives in and then they just automatically appear as a drive letter, or do they? Do, what like what's the workflow like?
0: Well, when you, pu- when you plug the drives in, I mean, the software we do create helps manage the, the swappability of the drives and the fact that the drives are shared up. Um, the, the backup software, in some cases, uses a UNC path and sends the data that way over the network. In some cases, they create a dynamic iSCSI connection and, and the device appears as a local device. And uh, even in some cases, there's you know nowadays there's virtual machines and and you're backing up virtual machines. So you still have the choice of whether to do file-based backup or image-based backup. And different people do that piece of it differently. But we're trying to provide the tools so that the swapping doesn't become uh, unreliable or a pain, or you know the UNC path don't swim around, or the iSCSI drives don't swim around on you as you change media.
1: Do, do, does a typical customer have a few of these drives uh, running at the same time, or is like what, what's a typical configuration look like?
0: Well, we have uh, four four bay devices where they would have four drives online um, all at the same time, and in some cases they're they're doing things like backing up virtual machines to an individual drive so that they can you know keep track of a server per drive and. The, typically they what we don't do as much as we used to is what we call fill and spill where you'd fill one of these drives up and spill to the next most of the time the clients are trying to size the media so that their entire backup fits on on one of these devices and so yeah the, to answer the question they'll buy at least 3 media swaps and in some cases they'll be swapping four drives out of four bays for the next night or for the for the next backup and, um, so you're talking and about
1: 12 12 drives there.
0: That's right, but you know, again, we're still using mostly spinners. Uh, there are a few clients that use the the SSD drives, but mostly hard drives, and those hard drives are pretty cost effective, um, especially when. And, and you have to remember our client base is mostly hundred user net, uh, you know, hundred user networks and below. So we're not. I think that was the disconnect between you and I, Curtis, early on, is that you're in the enterprise space, and and nowadays um, managed service providers have brought some of that enterprise tools down to the little guys. So you know, a small dentist office with only ten users, or you know, some some computers will still be able to leverage the online and upload their data, but. You know, the those solutions can still be three, five three hundred, five hundred, a thousand dollars a month and, and at the lower end sometimes they say, you know what, we'd like to manage this ourselves, either for, as you mentioned, security reasons mm-hmm. or in some cases, uh in a lot of the foreign countries where we do business, they don't have the bandwidth and so they're sort of forced into a solution like this, or they're really, really cheap. And they, uh, and they just want to manage everything themselves. So there, those are some of the reasons we see people going to this type of solution. I
1: think, I think when, again, when I think back, one of the issues that I remember being concerned about, it, it, this is sort of, sort of that, you know, confluence of things happening at the same time, um, was uh, at the time I, uh, cause you, 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 Use two and a half inch drives in your your units, right?
0: Uh, we had we had a series of those that was called the MPAC units. We've actually kind of uh, most of our stuff at this point is three and a half inch drives still, and it's because what we find when when our customers reach out to us, they'll ask questions like, "Do you have the sixteen terabytes yet? Do you have <laughs> the twenty terabytes?" And a half inch form factor is where the formats exist.
1: Yeah, I I think. Because at, at the time, I remember I used to do a lot of backing up my own stuff to portable two and a half inch hard drives, and I hated them. Like, that's where I lost so much of my data because I found these quote unquote portable drives not being very reliable. Now, mind you, I wasn't in a hardened facility, um, but you know, I also know these drives have gotten more reliable over time, and it sounds like for a price performance situation you know you you've gone is it are you pretty much exclusively three and a half now or
0: yeah we've uh, we've gotten rid of the two and a half inch format we were really conflicted about that five years ago because you know we thought eh, the world's going ssd and um you know we talked to some of the hard drive vendors our primary ones are seagate and western digital and and they indicated to us that all the bigger formats you know it, it's kind of like why why can't you have an ant that's the size of a cat? And, you know, there's a physics issue, and the same true is uh, same is true of hard drives. I mean, you just get so many more square inches of uh, of platter storage on a three and a half inch than a two and a half inch. You'd think, you know, we really thought two and a half inch would take over the world, and you know, both formats have their place and they exist. But uh, in terms of, like I say, these sixteen TBs and twenty TBs, uh, the physical space for these new recording medium seem to be still coming out in the three and a half inch. So there's no question that at some point SSD will kill the spinner altogether, but I don't know when that will be. And at what cost point as
1: well. <laughs> right. And the other thing, when, you, when you're selling, again, for the space that you're selling into, the cost of the a, a, a tape, like A-tape and A-tape drive, or let me rephrase that, a tape drive and a single tape or even a, a stack of tapes that you're going to swap in and out. Um, that's one price point. But if you need any level of automation in order to handle, you know, any sort of volume, your price point suddenly jumps way up beyond. And you're talking about would you have a robot and things like yeah, that? Yeah, any sort of robot, any sort of an auto changer, robot, tape library, etc. Um, the price point of that jumps, what I'm guessing, way above what the price point is of your product. Would that be fair?
0: Yeah, that's absolutely the case. And, and we were always tempted to do an auto robot, but uh, it, we just never got into that big of space. And for a while, we had a product called the RAID Frame, where what we were doing is swapping out packs of three drives with a RAID controller. So So we were literally doing a RAID 5 pack. And that allowed us to get the capacity up to at least that of two drives because you always had redundancy. The third drive didn't give you any extra capacity. But um, that was how we got into the bigger sizes that were um, larger than a, a single drive. But we never did get into the exabytes or the kind of, you know, auto loader libraries like a Visa or MasterCard facility they're going to need.
1: Speaking of exabytes. uh Uh, I I realized the other day that the website exabyte.com is another website that is, that goes nowhere these days. There was, there was a huge company, right. With, with, with a wonderful name, right. But you know, named after the amount of storage we would never think we would see in our lifetime. (laughs) And now I, you know, you see that everywhere. Right. Um, But yeah, exabyte, the company is gone and exabyte, the website goes nowhere which wow.
0: is surprising to me.
1: Darren, and I have a quick question, uh, question for you. So
2: as people are, and I know you've been in the biz, in business for a while, as people are moving towards the cloud and looking at the cloud and starting to use SaaS services, be it Microsoft 365, G Suite, et cetera, do you see your client base shifting towards some of those technologies and is there something you guys are doing to address some of those needs?
0: Uh, yes. So obviously, as more data lives in the cloud, um, you know, we we start talking about reverse cloud backup, right? So everything you have is is in a cloud, and wouldn't you like to have a local copy of it? And so some of the software tools to be able to do that, to back up an Azure, to back up a office 365 environment um, most of those tools are cloud to cloud so if you go out there and look at and i don't know if druva has you know specific software to address this but there there are some cloud to cloud backup providers and the theory is is that okay if office 365 it's not so much that microsoft is going to lose your data ever i mean they're they're pretty resilient robust but the cost of getting them to, you know, restore an old version or to care enough to get you what you need when you need it is such that some people are backing up the cloud, and I think that's wise. I, I, I think Curtis, you've had some articles about cloud-to-cloud backup through the years, and um, our approach is we call it reverse cloud backup, which is. How about you have one device that you could put multiple passwords into? So you say user one has an Office 365 license and here's his credentials. User 2 has a Google license. here's here's his credentials. User three has um, data up on Salesforce. So you know, what if one device could pull, from multiple accounts and multiple sources, and then you could physically touch a device that had that data. So that's, um, that's sort of a newer market for us.
1: That, that's interesting because, you know, because what you are describing is the 100% opposite of a, of a target customer that Druva would go after. Yeah, so basically, uh, Darren, you are describing the opposite of the target market for our employer, right? Because if you want that physical copy on prem we are not your product right just 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 as if you know if you want a cloud copy of the stuff that's on your disk drives you're not the product to provide that for them we're we're definitely for those who have gone all in for cloud and and don't like the idea that they they want to get rid of uh they're ti- <laughs> they're tired of touching hardware right but i completely understand that there is a there is a segment of the populace that likes that idea. It's a perfectly understandable idea to to or you know to to have, and that is this idea of having a physical copy, something that you can reach out and touch. Um, and again, also something that maybe you could take offline, which is something that you cannot in technically do in the cloud.
0: Yeah, not as easily anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could do things like um, you know. You can use in a separate uh, account and restrict everything, but it's not. Yeah, you can do all necessary. those things. You can use uh, object storage with object lock and things like that.
0: I do remember being asked through the years if we could create a worm scenario, which is uh-huh. write once read. Uh-huh. That is, could we create a hard drive in which there was it was uneditable? Right. Uh, and you may remember, in fact, Prasanna, you may remember, I think the Jazz the jazz cartridges had a little switch you could yep, flip. Yep, a
2: little switch that so you could flip to turn it into write protect mode
0: right. protected and we, we tried to find a way to do that for several years and never did come up with an easy one just in yeah interesting yeah
1: I can see I can see you getting asked for that um, from a you know I, I was going somewhere earlier in the podcast where I was like you know you've got thousands of customers and and you're still doing this 17 years later so uh, I can only assume from that longevity, that you haven't had any any of the reliability issues that we were concerned about back in the early days of your of your company.
0: No, we you know, we had electronics that weren't you know, that weren't designed as well as we would have liked, but the, they didn't hinge on the on your concern about the hard drive just being uh, a static medium and something that you shouldn't move around a bunch—that uh, has never been a big issue. Uh, I can remember having—I can't even remember what size it was, but uh, it may have been. Um, you know it was some Seagate drives where we would have 13% failure rates over a two-year period of time, and that was quite high. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't because the medium itself was being jostled or moved around; it was because PVC the problem. It, chosen an encoding method that that wasn't reliable or the electronics would fail mm-hmm. and so those those were the biggest issues that we faced from a reliability standpoint not that hard drives themselves couldn't stand up to this kind of treatment
1: what uh what do you do in that situation if a customer has a a uh, a drive that has really important data is there anything that could be done yeah, a, dr- well, a drive that is, has really important data and failed. I, I guess yeah, is the I obvious. Mean,
0: there, yeah, there is. I mean, you've been in the industry long enough that you, you know companies like On Track and Drive Savers were specialists in in uh, extracting data from drives that had failed, and and in some cases even Seagate would go to bat for us and change out the controller board on a hard drive, and then the, the whole thing would become readable again. Yeah. So, there were a couple times where you know, customers ponied up a few thousand dollars to rescue very important data. But um, for the most part, we always recommended multiple copies and that kind of thing. So it, it hadn't become, it, it never became an issue where I remember, you know, it being a lawsuit or some sort of problem where people just couldn't recover at all. That's good. Uh,
1: and I can think I'm of sure a few I, times I, where that I, happened on tape.
2: <laughs> I was also, also going to ask, Darren, if you use things like I know with some hard drives, they have like the smart, monitoring and all the rest to at least help you with sort of the drive health status?
0: Yes, we do. And in, in the later models of our Linux NASs, that was that's something that we emphasize a lot is the the box will tell you know will monitor the smart status and start seeing soft failures or uh, you know read, read failures and then they're there's options to monitor that with outside tools or just have the box email you when that kind of thing happens.
1: And these drives that you're using, are they sort of what I will call classic rotational media? They're not like the shield magnetic recording, things like that?
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, the There are certain types of recording that don't lend themselves well to mirroring, let's say, or to mm-hmm. RAID. Through the years, one of the things we've done a lot of is um, if we have a four-bay device, we might recommend that you set up two bays as mirrored and, and the next two bays as mirrored. So we sort of have some internal redundancies that we allow the customer to set up where the box takes care of making an extra copy on their own. And um, s- as you know, some of those some of those that are slow to erase or slow to change become not, ex- not acceptable for that. Right, period.
1: right. So okay, so you, you said you have a four bay unit and and you can within your unit make that look like two basically two mirror drives. Can you make it one big like a, like a stripe or just mirroring?
0: Um, right now the just mirroring. we've actually gone away from the raid 5 and the stripes um, not not because they were unreliable in any way just because the uh, we did everything in hardware and the chipset, from JMicron that used to allow us to do those stripes in hardware uh, dried up. So currently everything we do is with, uh, with mirroring. We don't amalgamate four drives together. Just, it's just not productive from a backup standpoint to try to keep those as a set, you know, to keep one volume.
1: Yeah. Cause if you're dealing with four drives, the difference between mirroring and, you know, RAID five is going to be like 25%, right. From an overhead. Right. Cause you're, yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I can understand that. Um, all right. Persona, is there anything that we haven't covered? I actually did
2: want to talk about one thing. I know in, uh, the little blurb you sent us about yourself that you were once a former radio show host.
1: <laughs> yeah. I want to hear yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, um, I was, uh, you know, I felt like we provided a great service to the community. I mean, our our radio station was fifty thousand watts, and so it was, you know, it really broadcast all over northern California and northern Nevada. But uh, we did it on the weekend, so it wasn't high drive time or anything. And we really focused on answering questions. And um, I was the host alone for a number of years, and then I had a a local technician join me, and that really helped. We were kind of before the era of Kim Commando, and and uh, I, I feel like she cheats because she you know has people research her questions now and and answers those. And we were doing it flat footed off the cuff. <laughs> in some cases, we had to be careful that we didn't get too technical because we'd have some farmer calling in to ask about his his uh, antivirus program, and and we'd go off on you know, super technical tangents. So, uh, but we, we, you know, that thing was on the radio for five or six years. It was, uh, I think, really popular. People like being able to have their technology questions answered and probably a precursor to uh, hundreds of blogs that are out there now.
2: That's pretty awesome. And so this would be like anyone who would call in with any of their technical questions, like you said, the farmer with an antivirus question or...
0: Yeah. And, you know, when when you're doing that kind of show, uh, boy, I tell you, the questions that can, can come in, <laughs> and
3: probably that you, don't know,
0: too. <laughs> you have to be able to say, I don't know. And, and then at the same time, but if I wanted to know, this is what, the, you know, the angle I would go after or the things I'd look into. So it was it was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. What was the most out there question that you remember?
0: getting i remember somebody calling in and asking if i knew bill gates personally i thought that was
1: <laughs> you know all, all all us computer nerds know each other
0: uh, yeah.
1: but this will sound like a a, a a non-sequitur but darren are you aware of the tv show this is us i have heard of that i haven't watched it okay and persona you don't watch i think we've talked about this yeah so the most recent episode it's 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 like a lot of shows right now where they've they've incorporated covid into the into the plot and in this particular episode everybody like there's two different people giving birth and everybody's scattered to the winds because of covid and the only way everybody is uh sort of staying sane is via video chat right um and uh they did on the show um, where they 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 brought it, and they do this a lot on the show where they have a a, a a person or a couple in the beginning of the show and you've never seen them before and they they eventually worked them into the plot and that was there was this uh, couple it was a, it was an Indian guy his name is uh, Nasir Ahmed and um, he was married to an Argentinian lady and it was set in 1967 and by the end of the episode they said that Nasir I, I don't know would it be Ahmed A H M E D persona yeah, I think so yeah okay he basically invented it's the real guy who invented the the technology that ultimately gave us video chat and they they paid an homage to him um in the in the episode last night i thought that was pretty cool it's nice when you, you know, when you think back to people that pioneered, this is what, this is what made me think about it. You were like, you pioneered this idea of a show, by the way, I'd never even heard of Kim Commando. Am I the only person on
0: the I planet? You still, you still haven't heard of her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I Googled her. Uh, I see that she has a radio show or a, yeah. Host of a radio show about consumer technology. Didn't even know. How about that? Okay. Well, you learned something. Didn't yeah. You? And she, it she wouldn't have been possible without Darren McBride back in the day. What do you think? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm You're going to take Same. that credit. Okay. We'll do with that. Well, thanks Darren for, uh, you know, you know what, I, I don't know how you felt about coming on, knowing that we had that discussion so many years ago, but uh, it, it, you know, if it took a little bit of courage to come on, I hope uh, I hope I made you feel welcome. Uh, you did.
0: Absolutely. And, and absolutely n- no hard feelings. I knew back then that, that everybody had their own perspectives. And so I, I think it's important to discuss those and make sure that we, that we, uh, absolutely
2: for sure. And Darren, is there anything you want to talk about, uh, about the company and anything
0: else? Uh, n- nothing that we haven't covered. I mean, obviously rely is still, you know, around, we're still making backup devices, you know, it's a specialty item. So if any of your listeners are, are in those categories, we discussed of being in foreign countries or without bandwidth, or just wanting to have a local copy, know that we're here and we answer our tech support. And so you've got a device to go to.
1: The website is dot relycom That's it. Thank you. Okay. All right, well, uh thanks for coming on. All right. And thanks, thanks, for thanks Persona for uh, you know, asking your usual crazy questions
2: <laughs> about <laughs> Drives and Jazz Drives and everything else. Thank you, Darren, yeah. for putting up
0: with me, my questions.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, it was a pleasure, guys. And uh thanks to the listeners and um uh hopefully you enjoyed this episode and make sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all.
3: There file but i deleted it to bad your backup system isn't worth a spit finally i needed your backup you had a chance to fix it instead it's all jacked up see how i'll write on facebook about you don't underestimate the things that i will do There was a file But I deleted it Too bad your backup system Isn't worth the space Emails from you remind me of When they keep me thinking That we could restore It'll be complete.